Hello and welcome. I'm Jody Carlton and your host today. I'm neurotypical, which means I'm not autistic, but I've spent my entire life in relationships loving people who are autistic. Moreover, I've spent the majority of my career educating about autism and helping couples bridge the gap in neurodiverse relationships. But this podcast is for you. It's a place to talk with me, to share your struggles, talk to me about your wins, your challenges, your victories, and also hear from other professionals who really get it and understand you. So what will we talk about today? All right, I'd like to uh, welcome our guest today, Clara. I actually want to just also share that she is someone who's been in my Facebook group for a long, long time and actually one of my moderators who helps keep everybody straight, but also is such a huge source of support for the folks there. And so Clara, welcome and thank you for being here today. And I know that you had a topic that you wanted to talk about today. So if you'd like to go ahead and share with us a little bit about yourself first, and then we'll talk about the topic. Okay, I'm very happy to be here. My name is Claire, I'm 38. I was diagnosed at 35 years old. I'm a music teacher, singer, and I have two children. I have a partner, four years of relationship. One of my children is diagnosed in the spectrum. I found out about Jody like a year ago or two years ago. And it's been a great journey of self-knowledge to understand how I am, how I process things and how a lot to learn about how to deal with relationships, not only with my partner, but the world in general and resolving communication issues. Jody has been very helpful with all that and local support. Over tips, over sides has been very precious to me and my partner. And we're going to talk about something I learned in her course, Crack the Communication Code, that I believe it was life-changing to me. That Jody, Jody taught many, many tools of communication. The reflective listening is very important, but to me, one of the one of the tools that got most impact was the soft starts because we on the spectrum we tend to start conversations out of the sudden like if you could skip the introduction of tv shows and you have a button to skip and that would be nice in conversations you don't know oh how are you doing hi how are you doing we tend to start conversations right in the what we want to talk so if i'm starting to say arrange a meeting with a friend for a coffee i'm not gonna say hi fernanda how you doing how's been your day so i was thinking i'm gonna start the conversation hey you're free tomorrow <laughs> and <laughs> right this apparently releases cortisol in people when it's approached especially when when you're talking about difficult situation you study a fight you say Let's say I want to complain something about my boyfriend, what he did. And we tend to start like this. Why, why didn't you hang the clothes in the, in the, and then this makes people start the fight or flight mode. So you're not really, you're not really with the intention to start a fight, but there's this 
there's this release of courses that we we inherited from our how how do you say Jody the people from the past long past ancestors yes mm -hmm. and it's like when you are approached like this why did you, it's like let's say you are you are you are eating berries in a bush and then a lion comes in and <laughs> or you're gonna fight the lion or you're gonna run so we got all these hormones that freaks you out and puts you on the fight mode. And then all of the sudden you're fighting about something that sometimes are, are really stupid and makes no sense. And you don't know why you start the fight because we on the spectrum are very direct. We don't. And this, this, this makes a lot of bad situations, not only in the relationships, but at work, when we're dealing with people, social situations, and then learning this skill was very precious. And I think this skill is very precious, not only for people on the spectrum, for everybody, all couples should know this because it's very important because when we put people on the fighting mode, we start a fight over something that it's not intention and you don't get any resolution about it. I want to just jump in here and say that, yes, as a matter of fact, this, this concept of, of soft and harsh startups, I didn't invent this. This is John and Julie Gottman, and they are uh, some of the, the best known, well-known relationship researchers and, and therapists. And, and so they are the ones that first coined this. And so they do work with, with primarily neurotypical couples. And some of the, the work that they do does not translate to, to helping neurodiverse couples. And so I've modified a lot of what they've done specifically for the autism couples that I work with. But I love, I love what you said at the beginning of this, when, when you, you, and this is part of what I mean about how I, I adapt what I do for neurodiverse couples, but I loved what you, what you said about how autistic folks bypass that beginning part of a conversation, because this is something that's very different about a, a neurotypical conversation between two neurotypical people, which if you're listening, that just means you don't have traits of autism or neurodiversity, which some people, you know, ADHD is a form of, of neurodiversity as well. So a neurotypical conversation has those formalities oftentimes at the beginning, the, hey, how are you? What's up? What's going on? Um, whereas an autistic person may just speed right to the chase, go right straight to the point, and that can be perceived as very blunt, very abrasive, very abrupt. And to a neurotypical person, that then has that meaning of, oh, I'm, I'm really being it's almost like a verbal assault. It's an affront. Yeah. It's an attack. It doesn't doesn't give the opportunity because if we start the conversation like how how you do it, so I was I was trying to understand why why you you proceeded like this with the clothes and hanging. So you are starting the conversation, and when you start like hi, how my friend, how are you doing? How was your day? And then I'm not gonna approach my friend like. What are you doing tomorrow? Maybe she's having a hard day. Maybe she's with her kid in the hospital. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh. so it's, I think, I think it delivers also the blunt starts also deliver the impression that we don't care about 
about the situation the person is. I don't care. Why are you doing tomorrow? So I think this is very important. Yes, because that initial, the, those first, that fir the first part of the conversation establishes a connection first. You sort of set the tone for what's to come next. You're able to, to discover what frame of mind that the, the other person is in. Are they, are they in, you know, are they ready to receive this information? Are they in a, yeah. in a good space to receive it? Are they in a bad space to receive it? Is now a good time to even talk about this? But the other thing you mentioned that, that we talk about when we're, when we're talking about the harsh startups is the words we say, how we, how we communicate. Sick. So how have you changed those words, Clara? What, what have you changed about the way you say things? This, this example, examples you gave, because in the course, there's this list that you did the, um, the presentation. Mm -hmm. And when you start the sentence with something like you are questioning the person or criticizing, like, why did you, why do you always, do you, you start with the question, but you are kind of judging the decision of the person to do something and the person starts getting defensive because she feel she or, or, or he, the person feels attacked and it's not the intention. We just want to understand. But if you say something like this, I'd like to understand why did you buy this instead of this? The person's go, oh, it's on sale. The price is nice. So you have the, the opportunity to know the information without putting the person in the feeling of being criticized and started an argument out of stuff that sometimes it's not, are not even big stuff. So you start that with, I'd like to understand. Yes. And, and there's a big difference between I'd like to understand and why did you do that? Yes. Yeah. Effective work on your neurodiverse relationship can't start with pointing at any one person as the problem. Instead, if you really want to transform your communication and create the relationship fulfillment that you really deserve, you have to find out how different you are from one another, not how any one partner is different from the world. So in my comprehensive relationship evaluation, I actually assess both partners. And we look at traits of autism, executive functioning, sensory processing, and your overall relationship health. Now this consultation is divided into an initial one hour session and then a two hour session where we review everything and develop a relationship plan for your, your individual needs and your needs as a couple. So take your first step to get major relationship insight and figure out where to go from here. You can book your consultation with me today. The link is in the description. So you mentioned that you've implemented these, you've started to, to make these changes in not just your, your relationship with your, with your partner, but also with other people in your life. What other relationships have you been using this, this model with? All of them, my family my students, my band colleagues. There was something that happened the other day that was very interesting. I have a WhatsApp group, uh, a message group with the moms of the kids, of my older kids. And there's one person that always starts a fight and start attacking the, the coordinator and the principal and starts the, that messaging. And then I see the principal is always trying to be polite and the person keeps going on. And I, I sent a private message to my principal and said, 
you know, there's this injection of cortisol that the person starts. And if you feed the conversation, the person continues. If you say, let me wait 20 minutes to respond to that, the, the person is not going to be in this vibe anymore. And then you can resolve the issues with more calm. And then she thanked, she thanked because she said you, it, it was a helpful information. As a principal, I believe she deals with a lot of people and this is very important. It's interesting how, how a lot of people don't even know and, and they, how would they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't know these things. And so it's so helpful to know this information, just even about how our bodies respond in these situations. I was, I was just having this conversation. I'm in the middle of this, this, this group that you're talking about, the coaching group. I'm in the middle of a session right now with another, another group. And we just reviewed all of this yesterday and we were talking about it and and I'll, I'll let you go here in a minute and, and talk to our listeners a little bit more about it. And so, it, but it's, it's so great to hear and for you to share with people how this is impacting your life already, because it really is, it's, it's truly life altering when you start to, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, why do I have to be the one to, to make the changes in my relationship? My answer to that is, well, because you are, it's, it's very empowering to be the one that can make the changes in your relationship. Because if you are waiting on someone else to make, to change something, then you're completely powerless and you're, you're waiting, you're waiting for someone else to do something that's going to impact your own life. When you actually do have some tools, you can, you can make choices to make specific changes to the way you do and say things and the mindsets you have that will absolutely change the way people respond to you even the way you think about the the things that you're doing the way you think about your partner and that makes a huge difference in your life and it's totally worth it yeah i agree and i also think that we all have really control about how our we react to stuff we can expect our husbands to behave a certain way or to listen to but we have the power about us how we, we're going to read things, how we're going to change our narratives about stuff. Sometimes stuff from the past that we interpreted a certain way and it was all a narrative. And then you, oh, but it's on the spectrum. This wasn't intended as this. And this is a, this is a huge work, especially for people that are married for a so, such a long time. And I think it's beautiful. It was beautiful also to, to learn from the couples. I might be a daughter of an diverse couple. So it was very healing to me to learn from these dynamics and process all these things. I want to thank you very much. Well, you're welcome. And, and you have worked so hard and it, yeah, it, it's, it's a, it is a journey. And, you know, I think it is changing that mindset and recognizing, you know, okay, I didn't have this information before. And so I created this narrative, but now I have this information and that's part of what we do when we, when we go through these, these, the five-step program, the communication program, we, we learn how our narrative about our partner and about ourselves and about our relationship isn't accurate 
because we've created that narrative based on misinformation about our partner and about our interactions and what they've meant. And so once we have a new framework, it really changes everything we understood about our relationship and gives us so much new intel. It gives new information so that we can we can create a new narrative and, and it's just life-changing. So, well, I want to thank you, Clara, for being here and Pleasure. would love to have you back anytime. Thank you. Maybe you're here today because you suspect your partner's autistic or maybe you're autistic yourself or maybe you just don't know and you don't really know what to do next. And that's exactly what my basic consultation is for. I do offer assessments for individuals and couples, but if you're not ready for all of that, you can book a consultation appointment with me and we'll talk about your current situation, whether that's a relationship you're in or if you're dating and, and single and, and don't really understand why your relationships don't ever work out or maybe you can't even get them started. We'll talk about all of that. So book a basic consultation appointment with me today and we'll get you some clarity. The link is in the description. Okay, welcome back. And I wanted to just let you all know that if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, I would love to have a chat with you. You can do that by looking in the description of any of the podcasts and the link to book a recording with me is right there. And you can remain anonymous if you choose, or you can give me your first name. But what you do is you just go ahead and book a time that works for you. You'll fill out a form. So let me know what your situation is and what you'd like to chat with me about. And then my team will confirm with you that we are going to go ahead with your recording. And then on the day of recording, we just chat and then we'll publish your episode later on at some point. And the thing is, I love talking to my listeners, to my audience, to neurodiverse individuals, to neurotypical partners. You know, I've been doing live Q&A for a couple of years on YouTube and, and Facebook and streaming to, to LinkedIn and, and multiple platforms. But that's always been me talking to you guys and answering questions that you've submitted to me previously or in the comments. And I'm very excited to be on this podcast now where I can talk with you live. And it's so, it's just wonderful for listeners to hear your story. It's just really validating to know that you're not alone. And that actually brings me to uh, something else I want to share with you today about what Clara was talking about, the startups. Uh, she went through my communication program, which is called Crack the Communication Code. And you can get to that at Crack the Communication Code. Dot com. That's also in the description. And so basically in that program, I teach the four stages of communication along with a, a conflict resolution strategy, my two or 10 scale that, that everybody loves. But she was specifically referring to a, a method that I, I teach that is not, I, I don't actually claim this particular strategy because John and Julie Gottman are the ones that identified the concept of startups I include this in the, in the crack, the communication program. And so she's referring to how we actually initiate the interactions and conversations that we have with our partner or with anybody really. And sometimes we don't even realize how we're approaching our partner and we don't realize how we're coming across. And what's really important to understand in, in our relationships is that the thing that we can control the most is ourselves. 
And sometimes people come to me for, for coaching or they'll, they'll get on a consultation and, and say, you know, I really, I just, I need my partner to this and I need my partner to that and I, and I need her to this and I need him to that. And the thing is, we can't get our partner to do anything. That's not within our control. And we, we are all painfully aware, you guys, of what we want our partner to change and what we want our partner to do differently. We all know that so very, very well. But the only thing that we really can control is ourselves. And, and a lot of people say to me, Jody, I can't change anymore. I've changed and changed and changed. But I'm not talking about accommodating type of change. Accommodating means you change who you are, your core person to, to benefit someone else. You, you change yourself in order to benefit the, another person. You, you don't stay with your own values, your own personality. You change who you are because somebody else needs you to be different. That's not the kind, type of change that I'm talking about. I'm talking about we all have the ability to make changes to, to what we do and what we say and to the insights that we have of ourselves and that will make an impact on our relationships that's actually the most power that we have to make dramatic changes to our relationships is by looking at ourselves and and looking at what we can do that will benefit us the most i i frequently tell my clients do not come to me for coaching or for communication, the communication program in order to fix your relationship. Do not, do not do that. And, and they're like, what? I thought this was, you know, to help my relationship. And I'm like, no, you need to come to me to help improve your quality of life. You, you, the person, not the relationship because the relationship is an outcome. The, the quality of the relationship is, is an outcome. That will be the, the outcome to you, your quality of life improving. Your partner, your husband, your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, you don't know how, you can't, you don't have any control over how much they're going to put into it, what kind of change they're going to make, even what they're capable of changing, the insights they're capable of. You don't have any control over that. So all you can do is work on making your life better and work on achieving what works for you. If you continue to work on what someone else needs and what, what someone else needs for you, that's never going to work in the long run. And it, it, it's why so many of you, and, and I'll include myself in this because I've been guilty of this in, in past relationships. When we work so hard to be something that somebody else needs us to be, we, we'll, we'll ultimately be miserable because we're straying from who we are. So all that to say, it is very critical that you learn how you, you start to incorporate healthy relationship skills, whether your partner does or not. Because the thing is, is if this relationship doesn't last, if it doesn't last, if it, if it ends up, failing, then 
you are going to, to go on to be possibly in another relationship. Some of you may be like, nope, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> well, maybe you will and maybe you won't. But you're in many relationships in your life, not just your romantic relationship. You're in relationships with your family members. Some of you have children. You have parents that are still alive. You have friendships. You have coworkers, bosses, employees. Communication applies to every relationship you're in. So I want to actually share with you today, I want to break down these startups and, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a sneak peek into the communication transformation program. And the fourth step is a six-week coaching group. But this is some, some of what we cover. So these startups, we come across oftentimes as very harsh and critical when we approach our, our partner. And this is very triggering. And when we trigger our partner, it activates uh, a defensive response, which is a fight or flight response. And we've all been guilty of doing this whether it's to our partner or to other people in our lives. And we've been on the receiving end of this too. If you've ever said that triggered me, then you've been on the receiving end of a harsh startup. And whenever we go into fight or flight, this is a primitive mechanism that is built into our bodies to keep us alive. It's important, you guys. We need this response. It, it helps us stay alive. And so it, it basically alerts us to some kind of threat, some kind of danger, some kind of harm, and it happens instantaneously. Our, our brain doesn't stop and, and use logic to interpret whether or not there really is a threat. It's a reflex. It happens instantly because our brain knows that sometimes we don't have time to assess whether or not there's a real threat. So our, our brain sounds the alarm immediately before it has time to go, well, hold on. Am I really in danger here? So it dumps hormones into our system that starts a whole chain reaction that increases our blood pressure, increases our heart rate, and this all pumps blood to our major muscle groups so we can run and get away from that danger or we can fight. You know, this is what it's for. And if we're in a conversation with someone We've got all this, as you can imagine, we've got a lot of physical energy in our body with that pounding heart rate because we're ready to fight. And and also blood flow is decreased to the frontal lobes of our brain, which is where we reason, where we have that logic, the logic processes. And so it's harder for us to even think clearly in those moments because we don't even have blood flow in the front part of, of our brain. And so anytime, if, if you're actually wanting to have a conversation with your partner, if you're wanting to be heard about something and it's important to you, the worst thing you can do for yourself is approach with a harsh startup. And this is what I'm talking about when I say what you can control is yourself because there's a lot in it for you to learn how to not use harsh startups. Because if you do, you're pretty much guaranteed that your partner is not going to hear you. Your partner is going to be defensive. Your partner is going to counterattack. Your partner is going to respond like you're the enemy. She or he is going to shut down, walk away, you know, not going to hear you. 
And so there's a whole lot in it for you to learn how to not approach that way. And it takes us a while to come out of that fight or flight response. Again, this is a chemical reaction that happens in the, in the body. And it can take 20 to 30 minutes or so for that process to be over once the body realizes I'm not actually under attack. And if an argument actually starts to happen, then we stay in fight or flight. And so it, it prolongs it and it lasts longer. So some of the, the things that you might notice when you're in fight or flight is your palms may get sweaty, your heart may beat faster, you can get short of breath. And I want to say that some of my autistic listeners, you may not actually notice, you may not be as in touch with your body sensations. So you may not know that you are going into that fight or flight state until you're already well into it. So this is something that, you know, the, the, the interoceptive sense, which is your ability to recognize internal sensations, maybe uh, your threshold may be very, very high, which means it takes a lot of sensation for you to notice it. So partners, if your autistic partner takes a bit to recognize they're in that fight or flight state, then it may fall on you to go, oh, I see that you're starting to be triggered. Let's press pause. The pause button is a, a figurative button. It's not a literal button, but it, it's like a timeout. I don't like using the word timeout because it feels negative. You know, we put kids in timeout. We don't put adults in timeout. That's not respectful. But a pause button is where we say, oh, we, one of us is getting triggered and we need to pause. And either one of you can cause, can call a pause. So if, if, you know, if anybody shows signs of being, you know, going into that fight or flight pause. And so here are some of the words that, that we tend to use in our harsh startups. So if, if you recognize any of this in the way you speak to your partner or to, to other people, then you're using harsh startups. And now I'm not saying that to guilt you, you guys. I'm just saying that so you can recognize this in yourself and start to pay attention to it. So if you start sentences with, why didn't you? Why didn't you load the dishwasher? Why didn't you pick up your towel off the floor? Why didn't you get the milk on the way home? Why didn't you tell me that such and such called? Why didn't you? Why didn't, why, why didn't, why didn't you? Why didn't you? That's a harsh startup. It's questioning. It's an interrogation. It, it may be you're seeking information, but it's definitely, uh, it feels interrogative versus an alternative would be, hey, I'm curious about, you know, I thought, I thought you were going to load the dishwasher and I noticed you didn't. And I'm, I'm curious about, I'm curious about why that there's a very different tone and that's a different approach. Another one is I wish you just, I wish you would just, I wish you would just whatever, fill in the blank. I wish you just load the dishwasher. Like you said, you would, I wish you just hug me sometimes. I wish you'd just give me some space. I wish you'd just let me know before you're whatever. I wish you'd just give, you know, just give me whatever, fill in the blank, you guys. Whatever you tend to comes after those words, we need to start being respectful of our partner because I wish you just means we're actually stating a preference, but we're stating it in the form of we're basically projecting our our needs onto our partner and so we can replace that one with i like it when i like it when i prefer it when i would love for you to 
And this is where it gets kind of hard because we do have to respect that our partner has the right to choose not to. We're living alongside each other in this world and we don't really have the right to require any other human being to do anything. Another harsh startup is why can't you ever? That one's very similar to I wish you just. Why can't you ever? Or you never. Absolutes, words like, absolute words like never, always, those words are usually harsh startups. When we approach with never or always, it's, it's going to automatically put the other person on the defensive because we're not recognizing the times perhaps that they have whatever it is we're frustrated about. Another example is you're wrong. You're wrong about that. Nope, you, you've got that wrong or that's, you know, that's just not right. That's incorrect. Because that is not acknowledging that perhaps our partner has a different opinion than us. There are very few things in this world that are actual facts. Very few. But so many of us actually approach our partners with our opinions as if they are actual facts. And they're not. So when we tell our partner, you're wrong. You're wrong about whatever. We're approaching them harshly and we're just going to shut them right down and we're not going to be heard. But what we can say is, you know, I actually have a different opinion about that. And I don't, I, I dis, I disagree. And, you know, I respect that you have your opinion, but I disagree and I have a different opinion about that. It's a very different way of approaching. If you say you don't know what you're doing or, you know, just again, just telling your partner that what they're, the way they feel, think, or believe is wrong or inaccurate. Very harsh startup. Now, some other examples of soft startups, which is the way to approach in a way that's not going to trigger is I'd like to understand. I'm curious about. I'm not sure what you meant by. You know, I feel rotten when blank happens. So will you help me understand your perspective? I'd like to know more about your decision or your choice to whatever it was. We really think differently. Will you share with me? These are softer startups and are a lot more likely to to engage your partner in a conversation where you can actually hear each other and be heard. So anyway, there's your little uh, sneak preview into the, the, what we talk about in the communication program. That's just from two of my slides from week three. And again, if you're interested in that program, I run the coaching group about once every three, three months or so. And there's also several other steps to that program that you can find out more at crackthecommunicationcode.com. And I am glad that you're here and I'm gonna draw to a close today. And I do have an, another episode with Clara, so def- definitely come back and listen to that one. And she's going to share about faders, which is, is her word for how when neurodiverse people actually struggle to filter out sounds and noise and sensory information in a way that neurodiverse folks can actually do, similar to the soundboard, the faders on a soundboard. And I don't know if that's the technical term for those little buttons that you see on soundboards at concerts, but it's a very interesting conversation we had about that. So be sure and tune in for that episode. And we will be seeing you or talking to you hopefully soon. Book a recording with me and I would love to chat with you.